Welcome to The Trail Less Traveled, an adventure series dedicated to taking you back to mankind's earliest form of entertainment, storytelling. Missoula, Montana is a mecca for outdoor enthusiasts, and each week we will bring you tales of outdoor adventures both near and far, as well as adventure information and inspiration, and a few tunes to set the mood. You can read more about the show online at traillesstravel.net. And now here's your host, Grand Canyon Whitewater Guide, yoga instructor, and master of the didgeridoo, Mandela. Tonight, the trail less traveled leads to the Arya Ayurveda Panchakarma Center in the jungles of southwestern India on the coast of the Arabian Sea. The following interview was recorded over a period of 21 days where I researched and received Ayurvedic treatments from Dr. Kiran Bhatt. We are on location in southern India. It's starting to become dark and we are looking out over a bunch of coconut palms. I'm sitting in the Arya Panchakarma Clinic in Kovalam. It's on the roof of Hotel California, and I'm sitting here with my doctor, Dr. Kiran. Dr. Kiran is an Ayurvedic doctor who's been practicing for the past 14 years. He travels and treats patients all throughout Europe, and he's actually leaving tomorrow, and he's made the time to sit with me and do an interview on the trail as traveled, so I'm very grateful. Thank you so much for that. Dr. Kiran was born north of Kerala in Kasara Gold. Now Trivandrum is his home when he's not on the road. Dr. Kiran, my first question for you is where did you grow up and how was outdoor adventure a part of your childhood? So the question is actually very difficult to answer because I was born in Kasaragod, but my parents at that time they were living 250 or 300 kilometers south in Cochin. Yeah, so my father was an engineer actually. We were living there and he was working as a design engineer. When I was four and a half years old, he got an assignment in Pune. Pune is in Maharashtra, it's about 1,000 kilometers north. So I was in Pune for about three or four years. So I was growing up there. It was very different. The language is different than what we have in Kerala, yeah, in Cochin. They use a lot of Marathi, what is the local language there. So three or four years I did my schooling there. So I learned a bit of Marathi actually. But, you know, as you grow up, you forget things. At that point of time, I think, where we were living in Maharashtra was a village. We were small kids and people used to pass their stools in the side of the street, actually. So when we were going to school, we had stools in the feet, actually. Not in the feet, but in the shoes. So when we came back home, mom used to get angry. Anyway, we had to travel a lot because we were staying in a village and we had to go like about an hour or so in the bus to the school. The school was quite good, actually. They were very strict with education, and uh, which helped me, actually, the four years. Then uh, my father again got transferred back to Cochin. So it started again the difficulty of learning the language. So I had to learn Malayalam again, which was, of course, a big struggle for me because Malayalam language is very different from Marathi, actually. And even if I'm born in Kasargod, I'm Kasargod is in Kerala, actually, northern part of Kerala. But in Kasargod, our community, we talk Kannada. So my parents talk Kannada. They do not talk Malayalam. So when we were in Kerala, they talk Malayalam and I had to study the language. It was like really a big struggle to do the thing. Anyway, yeah, I got used to Malayalam. I got used to the culture in southern Kerala. I like southern Kerala actually. 
Cochin is middle of Kerala and uh, so I did my studies, I did my schooling and I ended up with Ayurveda. So it was not a, you know, pre-decided thing or so. I do not think things are pre-decided. Like you decide things, but I think things are pre-decided. Basically, you are destined to do something in your life. So it was not planned that I will do Ayurveda. I just <laughs> came to it and I joined the college, I joined the university in Trivandrum. Again, I was still struggling with the language issue because Ayurveda in Kerala, it's taught in Malayalam, it's taught in Sanskrit. So now again, I had to study Sanskrit again. Which, if I look back now, you know, in life you look back at things, it was very difficult to learn languages, but it helped me a lot. It helped me a lot, actually, because now I converse in many different languages. Yeah, anyway, so I had to study Sanskrit and I had to study Malayalam. And so it went on for six years till you finished the graduation to become a practitioner in Ayurvedic medicine. Ayurvedic medicine study actually is very, very tough in the sense that you have to learn all things that you learn as a normal doctor, like anatomy, physiology, pharmacology. Apart from that, you also have to learn Ayurvedic medicine. That part of studies was one of my toughest years of education, I would say. Six years of education, it was really, really, really tough. The problem with Ayurvedic medicine is the medicine doesn't give you, when you study it, it doesn't give you any solutions. It doesn't say any particular medication for any particular disease or disorder. It gives you perspectives, it gives you impressions about people and it tells you if people are like this or like that, this and this medicine could help. So, when you pass out of your curriculum, you are a person who really doesn't know anything. Even if you have studied a lot because you do not have the best impression about people. This impression about people, it develops over a period of time. You have to have a good experience before you start to know how you can deal with Ayurvedic medicine. Yeah, it's a tough game. So, I would say Ayurvedic medicine, even if I have been practicing like 14 years now in Kovalam, it's something what you learn throughout your life. Because we classify people, that's what we do. We categorize people, we try to see people as different individuals and we try to treat them as different individuals. So the main focus lies on evaluation or trying to understand a person. If I am able to understand a person, I am able to choose what medication or what uh, things are good for him or not good for him. And through that I can make the health of a person better, I can make him healthier, I can cure him of his imbalances. That is why I say an Ayurvedic practitioner is a person who develops, who ripens. It's like a fruit who ripens over time. It's not like you pass out from your exams, you have your examination done, but you know everything. It doesn't happen like that, unfortunately. Dr. Kiran, you said that you don't choose your path. It's destiny. It was decided for you. So was there any moment where you realized that Ayurvedic medicine was the path Actually, my parents, they have got nothing to do with Ayurveda. My father is a chemical engineer. So I think his personal choice would be that his son becomes an engineer. You know, everybody tends to have their children in the same line as they have. Not everybody, but many, many people. In India, especially, not in Europe or not in the West, so much they let their children grow up as they want. I was fortunate to be in India and have parents who let me do what I wanted. This is very, very unusual for an Indian family, actually. 
uh, I was not good at maths to be honest so I thought that doesn't work for me to go on with maths so I was taking biology and I ended up with Ayurveda it was really fate I think rather than any pre-planned or I never thought I would be an Ayurvedic doctor even in my childhood no 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 I'm quite sure of that you see as children uh, we always have ambitions maybe to become a pilot or maybe to drive as boys you know maybe to drive things or maybe to become a teacher or something of course everybody has ambitions but uh, i think to become an ayurvedic doctor it never came into my mind or i never thought of being a doctor even so i finished my exam in india we have what we call a reservation system basically so when you finish your school exams in kerala at that time when i was writing the exams 25000 people wrote the exams so i was the 625th man that was my mark we do not have so many openings in universities because even if there are 2000 places or 3000 places half of them are reserved for people who are coming from weaker castes or who are called uh, reserved castes because they did not have the opportunity to study and they did not have the opportunity to have equal education as uh, people who are from the upper castes okay i am a brahmin by birth so i do not get a reservation so i had a very good mark like 625 which was not very good enough for me so ayurveda usually is not chosen from many people but i chose it i don't know why i chose it when i was filling my form i just wrote ayurvedic medicine and i got a seat for that easily so that is how i ended up with ayurveda i think not i think i believe that things are predetermined everything happens in life for everybody everything is decided we just have to go through the motions of it that is how life is people in the west actually they think they can do everything with their power with their mind and with, when you put too much of effort into it you will be able to achieve many things i think and i believe strongly that things are predetermined uh, many things in life even if you wanted a lot it would not have happened and there are many things in life you wanted a lot and it would have happened because things are predetermined we just have to go to the motion now then many people ask me how can be things predetermined then what is the aim of doing things then we can just be sit and just be lazy and not do anything right that is not the idea of saying that things are predetermined usually in modern life we put a lot of emphasis on goals we are much more goal oriented than people who are living earlier you see even small children we teach them to reach their goals that is why you see lot of people have depressions they suffer a lot young people they are not able to reach their objectives because they suffer they think they are not able to achieve what they want in their life it's very terrible depression when you have a 12 year old child you see depression so much young people taking drugs alcohol is not because they don't have motivation it is because we teach them to be goal oriented we don't tell them you see this is your goal but you do you enjoy your life you do what you want you go through your way your goal will reach you that we do not tell people which is really really unfortunate in our day to day life and it is shocking that we tell young children to be goal oriented they don't have to be goal oriented all goals will come to us i am an ayurvedic doctor i am not very successful i am quite successful i am happy with it so success is a measurement of you know if you are happy or not with what you are doing actually if we are goal oriented 
then I have to make this much money, I have to have this much patience, then I am always in stress, I am not happy. And maybe I do not reach my goals, I suffer myself. But because I think I do my job, I do it every day, I wake up at 6 o'clock, I go to bed at 10, I work a lot, I work hard, and my goals will come to me. I will have fame, I will have money, and if I don't have it, it's okay, because that is not my goal ultimately. My goal is to be happy and to be satisfied with what I have. That is what we have to teach our children. That is what I say, things are predetermined. Then is your karma. Karma is your action in life. Action you have to go on doing. So if you are a student, you study, that is your action. But if you reach your goal or not is not important. So if you study, if you do it continuously as a student, if you follow your path, a goal you will reach. So paths are more important than goals. If you take a path, if you remain in your path, what is predetermined will come to you. And if it doesn't come to you, it happens many times in life, you do not attain what you want. It's okay. Because you choose the path. You should be happy. You move the path. Not sit around, not worried, not uh, being too much of goal-oriented. So that is the basic point of what I mean by saying life is predetermined. Dr. Kiran, you used a couple of terms that I'd like to go back and explain to the listener who might not be aware of the caste system in India. You said you were born Brahmin. Can you explain to us what that means and tell us about the caste system in India? You are putting me in a very difficult situation. <laughs> Actually, in, in India, like about 70% or 80% of people are Hindus. Basically, India is a Hindu country. So in all the Hindu scriptures, they have four kinds of castes or people who should do certain kinds of jobs. There are people who they call Brahmins, who are religious people or people who are teachers or who learn Sanskrit and teach or they can be advisors or they can be priests. Then there are the Kshatriya caste, people who protect, people who go for war, people who rule the king. So they are the Kshatriya caste. Then are traders, the Vaishyas. So they are people who trade. And then there are Shudras. Shudras are people who clean, people who maintain, people who make oil, people who weave clothes. It's my point of view. People can differ. I think originally it was a system where work was divided according to your level of education or to your level of understanding things. Initially, maybe many, many years ago. But as I say, doctors, parents, they tend to have the children as doctors. Engineers tend to have the children as engineers. So the caste became a right by birth. So Brahmin's children, they became Brahmins. Even if they were not good enough to advise, even if they were not good enough to be teachers, they became teachers. So they were again Brahmins. Over the years, caste became a right by birth rather than a right by your level of knowledge or your level of intelligence. So. An intelligent person became a person who will make oil and a person who is not so intelligent became a teacher. So the caste system degenerated into a social failure. Even now caste is very relevant in India. In 1948 many changes happened when we had the independence. We got a reservation for people who were poor and who were so-called lower caste people. 
which is a very very good thing because they were not having the right to get educated or they were not having the possibility to get educated because the parents were not educated so they had a support system to survive actually so which i think was uh, is and still a very very good thing over the years the caste system in india is getting weaker and weaker because education level openness of society understanding of society is is growing so many people deplore the idea of caste but you see in in very poorer states of india like bihar like uttar pradesh people who are of lower caste they are not able to take water from the well of upper caste people it's like a kind of racism for me indians complain when they go to europe or when they go to west of racism from white people you see the same thing they will do at home uh, you can call it casteism but uh, still it is a kind of racism actually but when you come to a richer state like kerala a much educated state like kerala much educated state like gujarat for example these inequalities i do not say have disappeared totally but they have become irrelevant the margins have blurred not like uh, bihar or uttar pradesh which is very backward states so when the margins have blurred what happens is everybody has an equal opportunity and still you have reservation it makes a lot of problems in the society in itself even in us you have this question of black and white issues and we are going through it in day to day life even in us so now you see in gujarat 6 or 7 months ago there was a big issue with upper class people demanding reservation these are things that are because the economic differences are blurred still i would say the reservation system for caste in india is a very good thing because still maybe for 10 or 20 years it should continue then the economic situation will get evened out and maybe then is the time to review it i was talking about this for caste systems for classes of caste other people who are still considered hindus they are called out class they do not belong to any of these class so they are still below these four classes so casteism doesn't mean that the brahmin is looking down the other three castes it happens in stages the third lower caste is looking down at the fourth lower caste the fourth lower caste is still being racist towards another caste so what he is experiencing in life is passing on into another person a systemic degradation of society actually it is very interesting phenomena because it is more than 2000 years old and still uh, we indians have not been able to come into terms with uh, what we call yeah casteism or racism in our own society unfortunately you're listening to the trail that traveled we are recording in the state of kerala on the southern coast of india and i'm speaking with dr kiran dr kiran is an ayurvedic doctor who's been practicing for the 14 years he travels and treats patients all throughout europe He was born north of Kerala in Kasara Gold, but he's lived in different parts of India and he speaks many, many languages. When we come back, we're going to talk about Ayurvedic medicine. But Dr. Kiran, it's time to play a song. Let's play one of your favorites. One of my most favorite songs is a Hindi song, actually. It's called Aap Ki Nazaro Ne Samjha from Lata Manjeshka. It's a very simple song and I just love it very much. is a woman singing a song telling the man that i'm happy that your eyes have thought that i am worth enough for your love
And now back to the trail less traveled with Mandela. We are recording on location in southern India. We are recording on the coast of the Arabian Sea, and I'm speaking with Dr. Kiran. Dr. Kiran is an Ayurvedic doctor who's been practicing for the past 14 years. He travels and treats patients throughout Europe, and I'm catching him just the night before he leaves, and he's flying to Gokarna, where his other clinic is. So, Dr. Kiran, please walk us through the history of Ayurvedic medicine. To explain about Ayurveda in a short period of time, it's a really, really complicated thing to do. Okay, Ayurveda, as you know, is a very old medicine, 2,000 years old or more than that. When I say it's an old medicine, it doesn't mean that the medicine has not been reviewed or changed over the time. There are a lot of changes that are happening in the medicine over the last 2,000 years. But the core concept of the medicine, what is interesting, has not changed. I'll try to explain you in the next uh, 10 or 15 minutes about Ayurveda's point of view about human health. What we try to do in Ayurveda is we believe that everybody is different from one another. Even if we have our own characters, our own natures, we will have our own likes and dislikes. And because we have our own likes and dislikes, our own nature characters, we are all different from one another. When we are different from one another, our body nature, our body character will also be different. Say, for example, I'm a person who doesn't like cold at all. I go to the cold, I freeze a lot. There are some people who say, oh, it's cold, I like it. There are some people who sweat a lot in hot weather, some people who do not sweat. So, you see, people are different by inborn nature. What in modern science we call as genetics, every person has his own gene, has his own genetic nature. And that is what we in Ayurveda actually look at. We look at your nature or your characters. Then we try to see how much your body has changed from your nature. So we say you are a person who by nature is a person who freezes in cold. Over the last 10 or 15 years your body has changed. We say your nature has altered. How much it has altered also shows us what imbalances you have in your body. We say if your nature changes a lot, your body degenerates and you have a disease. So, a disease is not something that happens over a period of a day or two. It happens over years. First is your nature. Your nature changes. Maybe because of circumstances you are in. Maybe because of the food you eat. Maybe because of your lifestyle, which is not according to the inborn nature. Maybe because of your relationships. Everything can affect you. And when it affects you for a long time, your body has a small imbalance. So the body is an intelligent being. It tells you all the time, now go back to your nature. You are too much in the cold, wear a warm jacket. You are eating too much of heavy food, don't do that. But you do not have the time to listen to your body. Or do you not have the possibility to listen to the body. So what happens? Your body continues to degenerate. Over a long degeneration, you have a disease or a disorder. So for Ayurveda, Health means being in your nature or near to your nature. A small change in your nature doesn't make you have a disease, but it makes you small imbalances. It brings out small signs, which we all have from time to time. And if this continues over a period of time, you have a disease or a disorder. So for me as an Ayurvedic doctor, what disease you have is not important. What is important for me or what I look at is what your nature was, how much your nature has changed over the years to reach the state you are in. 
So once I find out this pathway of the development of changes in your body, I try to reverse it back. That's what I do. So now how do I do it? Many people ask me how do I do it? To find a person's nature is not easy because everybody is different as I told you. So I use gradients. This gradients what I call as earth, air, fire, water or space. Nothing got to do with the earth what we see. But it is just a gradient. I can also call it 1, 2, 3, 4 or 5. So the first gradient I will call earth. Earth is something that is very heavy. Earth is very sluggish. I will go more for the psychological characters. Earth people are more stable. Earth people are more heavy. They do not like changes. They can tend to be lazy. They like to sit, watch television. They are easy go lucky people. Then there are water people. The second gradient water use, I can call water. Introvert, shy, melancholic, depressive. I am using the psychological characters more so that you can relate it with yourself. Then there are air people. Air people who get nervous very fast, excited, they think a lot, they are not sure, they want to do different things, they are very active, like Mandela for example. <laughs> then there are people who have space nature. People who can be very creative and intuitive, like artists, but they are very crazy, very difficult to make decisions. Mandela has also some amount of space in her. Then there are fire people, people who are very strict, maybe your boss, very sure what he wants or what he doesn't want, very clear, very consequent and uh, very strict with himself and with other people around, can be very bossy. So you see, it's not a character of a person, but these are just gradients. So as I tell you these characters, you will say, oh, I have some of this, some of that, and some of that. As Mantel is sitting in front of me, she will also say, okay, Dr. Kiran, I have some air, sure, but I have also space. I have also some fire within me. But the other characters, I do not have so much. So if I make a graph of it, I have Mantel's nature. I make a graph for everybody. Okay, I'm not a perfect human being to see everybody's craft. But I am nearly correct with most of the people. That's what I say Ayurveda is a learning process. The more you see people, more you get idea of what people are. So you look at their body. Air people, they have dry bodies. So there are physical characters also, not only the psychological characters. How they see it, how they talk, it all makes an impression on me. So I say, okay, this and this is your nature. Then I look how much you have changed from your nature. So, your body has got to dry. You are getting too excited and nervous, Mandala. Oh, I am having a lot of stress, Mandala tells me. So, I tell her, okay, your air is going too much. What to do? Simple thing. Take your time off. Make regularity in your life. Eat your food at regular times. Sleep at regular times. It will bring you down. Solutions are very simple. We see what the nature is. We see what the imbalances are. And we try to correct it back and bring the people back to their balance. If there is a disease or disorder, we say, oh, we have to treat you with medications, with herbs. You know, about Ayurvedic medicine, many people think Ayurvedic medicine is only herbal medicine. It's a very false idea. A lot of Ayurvedic medicines that have minerals, that have even poisonous minerals like mercury and arsenic which is used to treat people. 
so it is definitely controversial and most of these medications they are originating in northern part of india in southern part of india about 95% of all ayurvedic medicine are herbal in nature because we have a lots of herbs in our countryside here northern india if you go you do not have so much herbs so there are lot of minerals are used for treating people so before you use an ayurvedic medicine you have to read what it contains like you take a normal allopathic medicine or a modern medicine you see its contents in the same way you check for the contents of ayurvedic medicine you do not take if you do not trust or if you do not want to take any minerals you do not take any medicine that contains minerals in it second thing ayurvedic medicine is not anything to do with indian food it does not to do with vegetarianism it does not to do with raw food ayurvedic food means it gives you directions about what gradients each food have what gradients of earth fire air each food has it says milk is cold in nature it says meat makes the body hot it says dry grapes are cold in nature it says lentils make a lot of air in the body it gives you gradients it doesn't tell you what is good for you not good for you everybody has his own nature or characters everybody has to choose this food according to his nature and characters so nobody belongs to any groups of vata pitta kapha many people have a misconception about ayurveda they do not belong to groups they do not belongs to group of earth air fire or space ayurvedic medicine doesn't mean that you have to go to india and learn how to make an indian curry definitely wrong it tells you what food is good for a person who has earth nature what food is good for or increases or decreases air or fire nature that's all it does so what does ayurveda teach us basically ayurveda teaches a very basic thing it teaches to understand our nature it teaches us to introspect we take time for doing sports we take time for our extracurricular activities our hobbies to listen to music we do not take time for our body that is what ayurveda teaches us we should take time for our body 5 minutes a day before you sleep think what you ate is it digested properly do you have any pain in your body what you talked with somebody did it hurt yourself did you talk clearly did the other person understand did the other person try to be aggressive towards you how did you take his aggression or did the other person give some love to you how did you accept his love take time for yourself take 5 minutes of time see what you ate if it was good for you if you listen to your body if it was cold did you take your time off or not it will bring you a lot forward in your health health is a dynamic equilibrium health doesn't mean that you are remaining always healthy and you are remaining always sick no you had maybe 10 years ago a big stomach pain now you do not have it anymore it means health is always in a movement today i am talking a lot i was working uh, doing many consultation now i am talking with mandala so as i talk my vata increases normal i have a midline that is my nature my body moves away from my midline now my vata increases or my air increases a lot vata is air so my air increases a lot what do i have to do i have to recognize it i have to be quiet i have to take a walk 
my vata will come down normally i do not have to take any medication i do not have to eat any vitamins i just have to let my body balance myself my body is a very intelligent being it is more intelligent than my mind it will correct itself that is my genetic nature the genes in my body will balance me back to my nature but if i do not listen to myself i misuse my body and i become sick and ill this thought of midline is very interesting because i have my midline you have your own midline maybe your friend or your relative has another midline society has its own midline because my midline is not the midline of the society i am always constantly in conflict with the interest of my society within myself this also brings imbalances in me this also brings a lot of pressure in me so listening to my body also teaches me how to manage the pressure that comes from outside that comes from society psychological pressure expectations jealousiness even love that society gives me all these things how i can cope with it i can learn from listening to my body and educating my body about it as society has a midline society tells me oranges are good for everybody it has a lot of vitamins i eat orange my neighbor is eating orange but ayurveda teaches me it's not right if it is good for you or not you have to weigh before listening to the midline of the society so maybe oranges are good for some people maybe vitamins are good for some people maybe fish oil is good for many people but it doesn't mean that it's good for everybody if your body can digest it or not is also the question i'll go back to what i do here in india the theoretic things are apart we do what are called body cleaning processes we try to do body cleanings body cleanings means if you have too much of vata we throw it out of the body conceptually or we try to detoxify the body ayurveda there is a concept accumulation causes disease everything what you accumulate is not good for you it can be memories it can be physical stuff in your body when you accumulate too much your body is not able to absorb what it wants because you have accumulated a lot you see in our food habits if i ask you what food you eat most people tell me they count 10 things i eat uh, for breakfast i eat some bread i eat some jam i eat some butter so they can count 10 things they do not have a variety in food because they are eating the same thing for a long time our body accumulates it because of this accumulation body is not able to absorb food from other sources so cleaning cleaning means we induce a diarrhea we induce vomiting in patients we give enemas to people is not something strange it is something what was done in west about 50 years ago which you lost because of cultural changes social changes what happened around you so if you ask your grandmother she say okay when i was small i used to take resinous oil and i had a diarrhea and i was doing it every year once you know something that was being done in the west we do it in india still but in a phased manner which we call panchakarma or body cleaning process the process has three stages one is to prepare the body is to see that the toxins in the body flow good or to heat the body up six or seven days we heat the body we try to raise the body temperature about half a degree so we create a feverish state in the body through which the body cleans or detoxifies itself 
and then we give an oil as a purgative or an emetic to throw out what the body does in so is something what was done in europe which we lost over a period of time what is we still continue to do in a controlled environment and when we have done the cleanings the body would lose also things that it needs so we try to rejuvenate the body this is the process what we call panchakarma which i see a lot of success in chronic disorders like autoimmune disorders especially asthma skin diseases joint disorders nervous system disorders digestive system disorders we see a lot of improvement in condition of you're listening to the trail less traveled we are recording on location in kovalam southern india on the arabian sea and i'm speaking with dr kiran he is an ayurvedic doctor who's been practicing for the past 14 years he travels and treats patients throughout india and europe Dr. Kiran, in all of your time treating patients around the world, what common unbalance would you say you find in the West and what might be the cause? The most common imbalance is stress. Definitely stress. People are stressed out. Because you live in a cold environment. Cold environments means an air environment for us. Air people tend to do a lot of things together. They live in an air environment. they have to be very active they have to keep away from the cold so we see an air imbalance or we call it stress what is the easiest thing to do against stress i tell people what you do usually is you do plus rather than minus people say i have stress then i go for yoga i have stress then i go for meditation i have stress then i go for jogging i have stress then i go for running i say you have stress you don't do anything do minus in your life most of our concepts are to add to things oh i am not doing this i am not doing that maybe that will help a bit maybe this will help a bit i say no just sit and relax you will feel better take your time out that is what i tell to people who are stressed five basic mantras one eat your food at regular time look at the watch if you eat at 5 o'clock you eat at 5 o'clock every day If you eat at 10, it's okay for me. It doesn't matter. You eat at 10. I only eat one time a day. Very well, fine. Eat only one time a day, but eat at the same time. Do not eat in between your meals. Do not eat nothing. Very, very important. The third time, walk. Oh, I want to jog. I want to run. I want to swim. Okay, you do whatever. But you walk every day. A rhythmic walking, about 45 minutes a day, will bring you a lot forward with your health. drink or eat only hot things hot water hot tea everything that is hot decreases vata eat warm food better than taking something cold or better than taking something very quick and the last one sit 10 minutes a day in a chair or lie in your bed don't move don't do anything these five things are my cardinal mantras they will help you a lot against stress Dr. Kiran, it's time to play another song. Let's play another one of your favorites. One of my favorite songs, I would say, Lionel Richie. Hello, is it me you are looking for? I don't know why, maybe 12 or 14 years ago I heard it for the first time. Maybe it's running in, in the West since a long, long time. I heard it for the first time and I, I just liked it. Something I am hearing very often. Back to Mandela in the trail less traveled. 
നിങ്ങളിപ്പോൾ കേട്ടുകൊണ്ടിരിക്കുന്നത് ഔട്ട്ഡോർ അഡ്വഞ്ചേഴ്സ് മണ്ടേല ഓൺ ദ ട്രയൽ നൂറ്റി മൂന്ന് പോയിൻറ്റ് മൂന്ന് ഞങ്ങൾ ഇപ്പോൾ കോവളത്താണ് ഇന്ത്യയിൽ Dr. Kieran, before we end the show, I have one or two other questions that relate to the first segment. The first one is, your father was an engineer, and he did not press on you to become an engineer. But you said it's very common in India for the parents to control what their child ends up doing. For example, I have met recently two medical doctors. They're studying to become medical doctors. They're 27 years old. And in the United States, for example, I left home at 17 and went to university. But they were talking openly about how their parents are controlling their life to this day in terms of they have to call and let them know when they're going to come home. They have to let them know where they're going that day. And the parents decided what they were going to study. So you said that's very common in India. Could you just talk to us a little bit more about that for someone listening who might not understand? We have a very strong family system. <laughs> parents decide what their children want or how their children have to grow up even the studies are very well controlled like how much hours you study what you do and nowadays it's better but you are not allowed to mix with boys or girls if you are a boy you usually have only boyfriends and if you are girls you usually have only girlfriends which is quite the norm so when it is the norm you do not see that it is unusual so that's how it is and parents decide what you learn and how you learn and things like that good or bad uh, east and west <laughs> it's very difficult to determine uh, i would always take a midline between the east and west you've been listening to the trail as traveled recorded on location in southern india on the coast in the fishing village kovalam We are on the Arabian Sea, and I'm looking out at a full, full moon. It is absolutely gorgeous, the color of ghee. And it's shining through the coconut palm trees. There's silhouettes of the coconut palms, and the moon is slowly rising up above the coconut palms. And I have been speaking with Dr. Kiran Achutabat. He is an Ayurvedic doctor who's been practicing for 14 years. He travels and treats patients all around the world. Thank you so much, Dr. Kiran, for joining me on the Trail Less Traveled and doing this interview. Thank you very much. Thank you for treating me here when I've been coming to your center. Sure, sure, sure. It has been a pleasure. You know this. Dr. Kiran, let's end the show with three tips, bits of advice that you'd like to share with the listener. Three advices as I was speaking. The most simplest thing, listen to your body. second thing take time out and the third thing walk dr kiran what song would you like to end the show with yeah we were talking about a song which is the most favorite one it's the nancy sinatra and lee hazelwood summer wine maybe i've heard it uh, many times but i like it a lot Namaste Missoula, Mandela here. You have been listening to The Trail Less Traveled, the community's source for adventure information and inspiration. Tonight's show was recorded on location in the jungles of southwestern India, a stone's throw from the Arabian Sea at the Arya Ayurvedic Panchakarma Center. I would like to thank my guest for this evening, Dr. Kiran Bhatt. 
I did a 21-day treatment with Dr. Kiran in order to research and record this interview. Dr. Kiran has been practicing Ayurvedic medicine for the past 14 years. He travels all over the world to practice and speaks more than half a dozen languages fluently. Find the trail less traveled on Facebook to follow the show as it is recorded on location around the world. Or visit traillesstraveled.net. My name is Mandela, your host of The Trail Less Traveled, and my goal for the show is to take you, the listener, back to mankind's earliest form of entertainment, storytelling. Therefore, every week I will be interviewing an adventurer about what they do, how they do it, and how you, yes, you, can start adventuring in a similar fashion. The Trail Less Traveled is recorded at the Missoula Broadcasting Company or on location around the world in order for me to find these adventurers and talk to them in their natural habitat. My adventure tip this week is to stress less. Like the doctor I interviewed this evening stated, the most common disease he has found in the Western world is stress, and many other diseases stem from stress. So get lots of rest, make time for yourself, and if you get the chance to do some yoga, I hear that helps as well. Well, that's it for this week, my friends. But until next week's adventure, please get outside and shred the gnar. Because the thing about the gnar is, it simply doesn't shred itself. <laughs>